Hello, Sucker. Guess what I'm doing tonight? That was our very own Chris Nichols doing a great impression of Malcolm there. And what are we doing tonight? We're recording a new episode of Don't Slam Your Podcast. We're now on to episode three of series seven. And joining me to discuss it is regular podcast guest and the owner of the 2.4 DVD and streaming campaign Facebook page, David. Hi, David. How are you doing? Hello, JD. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. <laughs> in February. February, even though it's February indeed. So um, we're on to the very first ever 2.4 children episode that was not written by Andrew Marshall. And mm-hmm. so let's we might as well get you've been on many times. Let's just go straight into the review. But as ever, before we do, it is Andrew Marshall. This is uh, Series 7, Episode 3, Malcolm X. And this episode was the first episode not to be written by me and was written by a very good writer, Paul Smith. And as such, I leave it to others to make their comments and memories. Off you go. So before we start, I think it's best to mention that this is written by Paul Smith. And he contributed to Not the Nine O'Clock News, Alas, Smith and Jones. He wrote for Colin Sandwich, which was a Mel Smith sitcom. And he also wrote for Murder Most Horrid, the Dawn French series. And he also contributed episodes to the, I think, might have been either the second to last series. Well, certainly one of the last two series of British Empire, which is quite interesting because that's when they started to branch out to new writers. So a similar situation to where we are now. So we start the episode in London, 1977. Now we've in 2.4, we've heard a lot about sort of 70s culture through Bill and Ben. And this last episode, when Saturday comes, you see Bill getting rid of a load of their old clothes, including clothes that are really obviously 70s fashion. Now we have a flashback to 1977. Now flashbacks are, are features in, in American sitcoms a lot of the time. And it's a chance to kind of see actors playing the characters we know and love as their younger selves and wearing cheesy clothes and from the previous decades or, or, you know, the hairdos that everyone always associates. And it's just, it's an interesting way to start because we've not seen anything like this before. So Malcolm um, is played by Danny Webb. He he's one of those actors where he's in a lot, but I couldn't pinpoint exactly what he's been in. He's just done a lot of bit parts, but he's, he's racked up an impressive amount of, credits on imdb so he was in alien 3 with sigourney weaver he was also in our friends in the north and he was also in a 2004 christmas special of my family he played the sugar daddy husband of Janie, the daughter of that series um so and he continuing to work now i spotted him in hotel babylon once as well Oh, right. Yeah. So he, he, yeah, he kind of appeared. He seems to make a lot of guest appearances in like everything. He's been in like Silent Witness, Casualty, 2.4 Children, 2.4 Children, just everything. And so Malcolm has sort of typical long brownish hair um, in a suit with a pink shirt, a bit like very typical sort of 70s look. Looks a bit looks like, like Noddy. 70s band. He looks like Noddy Holder, I was going to say. Oh, that's an insult to Noddy Holder. Okay, um, he looks like he looks like the lead singer of Mud. <laughs> oh God, what's his name? I can't remember. Oh no, I I was it? Was that? No, I can't remember his name now. I should know that. And then Bill has like um, sort of bra- like not braid. Um, what's it? Like pigtails. 
plaited maybe Pla- yeah um and a white shirt and, and long skirt um longer skirt was apparently a big thing in the 70s compared to the mini skirts which was kind of the boom of the the 1960s so outside their flat uh, is snowing so it's christmas he mentions about going skiing in the mountains two hours later swimming in the pacific avocados in the back garden this is like hipster talk i think Malcolm's brother said that they can stay at his house and he said, you know, better than this dump of a country. So Malcolm's quite anti-UK and wants to get away, very ambitious. Bill starts saying, well, what am I going to do with those Linden's Farm tickets? Which was a folk band in the 1970s. Yeah, they were a bit, yeah. I mean, it's quite, it's quite, a, it is a very 70s kind of band to, to mention, I think. Quite niche, but I like that about it. And then uh, this is such a typical sort of 2.4 line, a very banal. I've got a load of washing for the laundrette. Like that's a reason not to go to America. And she then says, I can't go and leave mum just like that. And if you notice between them, they've got um, chippy, a bag of chip, fishy chip, chippy chips on the floor. Just like to point that out. Malcolm proposes to Bill says she needs to think. Now they had, there was a song in the background at this point and my Shazam failed me. Um, do you know what it was? Um, the only thing I could pick out was Lady Eleanor. Lady Eleanor. Let me have a Google while we're on this. Let me actually Google Okay, it now. no worries. So they kiss. Malcolm grabs his coat and says, this is the moment that will decide everything. Oh, here we are. Go on. The song is Lady Eleanor, and guess what band it's by? Not um, Mud. No, Linda's fine. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense then. Absolute sense now. Oh, that's brilliant. Love that. Well, I'll, um, I'm going to give them a listen because I quite like the song. So he leaves and in the loft, we I didn't, you don't notice it in the beginning, but there's a ladder going up to the loft. Yep. You hear some movement and then someone in dungarees is walking down the ladder with the back turned to Bill, turns around and it's a young Ben. He's got like an afro hair and a moustache. He looks like a typical kind of 70s plumber guy. He also looks like one of the characters from Brookside in the 90s. Very typical sort of scouse. Actually, he looks like Harry Enfield's scousers. Yeah, he does. He, he could even say he looks a bit like the village pe- one of the village people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is the what? 70s, to be fair. He's got very bright clothing on as well. Yeah. And, and then he goes, there'll be five quid then, darling. And he kind of sort of um, he take, um, smooths his finger around his mouth. Slightly likes the look of Bill. Perfect. Yeah, a little bit. We go past the opening credits. We're in the porter's living room and it's just an absolute mess. But it's a really crazy pigsty. You've got a coffee table between the sofas full of stuff, the floor full of magazines. The dining room tables cluttered with a pizza box and papers. And Bill enters with a large food bag that, and no one helps her. The kitchen's full of dirty dishes. And she's just like, thanks for doing the dishes. Hinting that no one and no one hears. Washing machine has clothes falling into a basket. Thanks for hanging the washing. And then the bin's overflowing. And another hint that no one takes on is, by the way, when I said take the rubbish out, dumping it on the kitchen floor wasn't quite what I had in mind. And then she goes out and says, look, I thought I asked you all to... And they all ignore her. And Ben is flossing his teeth on the sofa. Yeah. It... Like, yeah. Right, so... I don't even know. Right, so Port's house, typically yeah. 
typically typically clean yeah. society in, has never been allowed to look like that in the seven years that this has been on so far. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't fit. It's a bit over the top in a way, feels it's like. It's too much. It's, it's too a much. Bit like, it's almost a bit like another sitcom at this point. So it's a bit like, I don't know. If my family was to do a messy house, that's what it'd look like. Yeah. It, it, the thing that makes it a little less realistic is when Bill says that it's been, you know, she left the house clean and tidy two hours earlier. There's no way that would get that. That's like, no. do you remember the series um, How Clean Is Your House on Channel yes. 4? That was, that's probably the kind of level of mess you would expect on that show. Just to clarify, if anyone's never seen it, it was um, people might know Kim Woodburn, who's kind of better known these days for being quite outrageous on Big Brother. But she's a clean, she's a professional cleaner, and she had there was another woman called Aggie, I think her name was. They'd go to people's houses to basically clean. Basically, they were they go to people's houses that were absolute messes, not just tips, but like unhygienic and clean them up. What did they say? Yeah, really filthy. Mosquito-ridden houses. Yeah, and 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 bacteria. Houses. What am I It was awful, but but that but what you see in this beginning of two point four children episode is the level of mess, probably or maybe just a fraction, but very not far off. And um, yeah, it, it, the thing is though, those people let it get like that over years, whereas yeah. this in two hours. I mean, Bill does make a funny joke, which is, yes, it's wonderful. And subtitles for the hard thinking reads, no, it bloody well isn't. I leave this house clean and tidy two hours ago, and I come back to find this room, which would look better if I got Chumba Wumba around to trash it. Now, for anyone who doesn't know Chumba Wumba, I had to Google it myself, but then I knew instantly, here's an ex- here is how you know them. I get knocked down, then I get up again. You're never going to break me down. So... Did you ever hear about Chumba Wumba throwing a? I think it was a bucket of a bucket of something over John Prescott at the Brits. Oh, that was them. I've I've heard about yeah. that incident. Yeah. Right. So I'm not sure whether it's referencing that because they did make a bit of a mess. Um, it would have been more interesting than last night's Brits, but that's another t- another thing for another day. I've not watched them for a long time. Neither have I. I just saw clips and I was like, yeah, I can see why I only two million watched it. So. Yeah, um, if you know um, Tub Thump, Tud Thumping, huge song from 1997. It's also known as I Get Knocked Down. That's probably what everyone, the lyric everyone knows. It's, it's a tune from 25 years ago. My God. Ben says he was going to do everything in a minute, clean everything up. And then Bill says, in a minute, tomorrow, when the Teletubbies have elocution lessons. Now, I've recognised that I'm getting to an age where a lot of people don't know who, what the Teletubbies Ah, were. How does one describe the Teletubbies, David? Um, they look like children's toys, like children's rattles, each with a different shape on their head, and one has a TV on its stomach. Yeah. And they talk gobbledygook. It was a children's programme. I watched it. I had, think I had toys and, and a video of it. Because I was, I was, I've been two or three at this point, so I was the right age, target age. But they had a it's single... In school, who were teenagers were into it as well. Well, it was like, weird. Worrying. It was weird. I mean, you think the creators had sniffed something dodgy. <laughs> they probably did. Did you know that Toy Wilcox is one of the voices? And you say you don't know who Toy Wilcox is. Yes, I did know that. And I forgot, but I did know it. I, I knew, yeah, I, it was Poe, wasn't, wasn't it? I can't remember. It might have been Tinky Winky, actually. 
interesting but i will say what i will say one thing about so far bear in mind to me right it some of the dialogue is kind of accurate in terms of this is the sort of thing that the characters would say certainly the referencing like bill saying you know i get chumbawamba in when the teletubbies have elocution lessons it is the kind of dialogue he's got the the interaction right so far if not the the, the setting sort of so Ben says someone phoned for Will the day before. He had a blank note and didn't have a pen. So he remembered it was someone called Malcolm from the States. He got the number from Bet. Bill suddenly remembers and that who it is, Malcolm Walker. Ben says he's popping around the afternoon around half past four. Jenny then gets asked who Malcolm is. Bill explains it's an old boyfriend. And the children are very typical kids at this point going, Ooh, you know, that's what kids are like. Ben says, you know, your mother's entitled to a past, you know, what Malcolm, keeper of time, Malcolm. Keeper of time, Malcolm. Kipper time. Yeah, kipper tie. Kipper, oh, kipper tie. I thought it was keeper of time. No, kipper com- time. Oh, I've completely got th- How have I, how have I, yeah, okay. I, thank you. I, that makes sense now. David. Go back and redo that bit. No, no, no. I, I'm going to keep this. I'm going to keep this in, and I'm just going to say, listeners, you're going to hear me say, I'm going to keep this bit in because I mistook the dialogue there, and David was kind enough to correct me. Why I love having guests on because mm. I would have if I said that if I did this podcast on my own and said that I'd look a complete idiot. So thank you very much, or sound a complete idiot. Quite, quite enough every week, so it's fine. Oh, Joking. thank, thank you very much. Anyway, Jenny says, you know, getting a bit hot on the collar there, Dad. And then Ben grabs a photo album. And again, this is such a, you know, kind of nice photo album. You know, I don't know. Um, many people we still do don't have... have photograph albums in the 2000s. Oh, I know. Well, but does anyone have, does anyone use them now? Really? I used it the other week, last year. With pictures from recent times. Oh, God, no, these were like from the God knows when. No, but, no, no, no. Oh, I know. But we've got, my parents have a load of them. But. I was going to say the, the photo album that Ben has, bear in mind that's like from the 70s, just from the distance of the camera, I can actually see the style and look of it. It, it looks like ones my parents have from the same era. They, you know, this, the, the look of it just feels so nostalgic. And even then, it's like 20 years after the 70s, and now we're 20 years from the 90s. Still that yeah, sort of thing. Pardon? So thanks for that reminder. Sorry. 1972 is now 50 years ago. I know, that's scary, isn't it? So the folk, you know, the kids laugh at it, saying, and Ben's like, what have I got to worry about from that? So then a car appears outside the house with a chauffeur driving it. Malcolm gets out of the car, looking a lot more mature, smart haircut, holding a couple of bags, fairly smartly dressed. It's more casual dress, but, you know, he's, he doesn't look as um, look smart, but not as like he's trying too hard. Yeah, yeah, not trying too hard, though. Um, Bill then comes down wearing what I can best describe as a, a very mumsy, smart dress. It's not exactly something Rona would wear, is it? No, Rona wouldn't wear it. Um, Bill, a bit dressy for what she normally wears. She normally wears, like, a normal T-shirt and jeans. Yeah, and she's wearing um, makeup. She put makeup on today. Um, I don't know if she does wear, she sometimes wear makeup when I've noticed another episode, but particularly so she's made herself up in this episode. She opens the door and then Ben looks kind of both unimpressed and threatened at the same time. 
So Bill and Malcolm politely hug and kiss on the cheek. Ben sort of coughs to to, to grab her attention. She introduces the children to Malcolm. He says, oh, you know, there's no denying these two and shakes their hand. Malcolm says, you know, I hope I'm not keeping you from anything. And Ben replies, Gladiators, but we're taping it. (laughs) Now, I'm guessing you watch Gladiators. Not very often. Really? You weren't a fan of it? Um, when I was a young kid, mm. by that point, it wasn't the best. Oh, had it gone downhill by that time? Think of the last series of the British Empire. Okay, right, that makes sense. Well, ha- again, how does how does one describe Gladiators? It's, what kind of show would it be like that's on now? I'm trying to think. Uh, the nearest to now, oh God. I was going to say Topol Wipeout, but that was out. That was years ago. Yeah, yeah Topol Wipeout. I mean, it's not that long now. It was kind of, yeah. Go on, fighting each other on platforms and with like massive sponge hammers and God knows what else. It was huge. It had merchandise. My brother had merchandise, if I remember correctly, and, and books and stuff. Yeah. So it was a big deal back then. It was massive. It was, it was good in the early to mid-90s, then it sunk. Yeah. We did try and revive it once, and it was really, really bad. Oh, yeah. I, I remember them bringing it back a while ago now. Jenny asks if Malcolm's an old flame. Bill says they're only friends. And then Malcolm sort of is quite, you know, honest about it. He says, you know, there's no need to be coy. They nearly got married. And, and the kids look really shocked. And Ben's like, yeah, well, it was great to see you next time you pass through London. And he's just trying to get him out, but it's not working. Malcolm explains further that they wanted to go to California. Well, he wanted to go to California. Bill turned it down. David says, you know, Bill, were you, are you mad? Bill says she didn't want to leave her mum, which obviously bet. Jenny replies, well, you could have just bunged her into a home. And Bill's like, she was 45. <laughs> I mean, that's a really savage line. Imagine Jenny did that to Bill. What I don't get with that, though, as well, is why wouldn't she leave her mum when she's 45? It's not like she's an old woman. And at True. this point as well, her dad would still have been alive if you take into account the timeline in... When did you last see her yeah, he died in 88, so he'd been 11 more years alive. True. Yeah, that is true. Um, Malcolm nearly leaves. Um, ben says, well, any ex-fiancé of Bill's who's wore a kipper tie 20 years ago and then comes back a rich and successful businessman, much to everyone's surprise, is a mate of mine. <laughs> okay, Ben. Clearly doesn't like him. Not at all. So they all sit down. Malcolm says he remembers their last dinner as, it was, as if it was yesterday. Bill recalls the blizzard, which again, we saw snow. And then he's like, remember the plumber with the cleavage? And then <laughs> the children trying to stop themselves from laughing. But Malcolm's brought some presents. And Bill sort of has, gives a very kind of hint, hinting remark towards, ooh, presents, turns to I remember those. <laughs> so clearly she's just, you know, what's interesting, I think, you've had this 20-year gap of time. So obviously now we realise it's 20 years since Bill and Ben got together. And so the spark goes out, or oh, 21 years, actually, it's 98. The spark's kind of gone out of the marriage. They've obviously got the kids. Life's just gone in the way. It's probably brought about all the surprise element in early parts of relationships that she's forgotten about. And that's kind of interesting to explore a little bit. David gets bans, did he say? What did David get? I couldn't oh, hear him. Grey bands. bands. Yeah. What's that? Sunglasses. Oh, okay, right. That makes sense. Um, and then 
it was Jenny gets a Calvin Klein regal, kind of expensive stuff. All this. Jenny Bill gets a bracelet, and Ben gets a watch with a recorder. Here's what I don't get with this bit. Go on. So Malcolm hasn't been in Bill's life since the seventies. Yeah. How does he know how many children she's got? Bet because Ben says earlier that he got um, the number off Bet. So Bet and him probably had a catch up. Maybe. I think she would. I mean, the fact that Bet would give Malcolm Bill Ben, sorry, Malcolm's phone number, despite probably knowing that he was an ex boyfriend of Bill's, she probably wouldn't have minded telling him everything else. Oh, she's got two kids called David and Jenny. Lovely children. Bit daft. I'm not quite sure she speaks like that. <laughs> Sorry, that was just my over overdoing um what Is an old way sounds. I've done some good impressions of Liz Smith. Thank you very much. <laughs> so um Ben then gets a watch with a recorder on it. Now, this must be similar to the kind of watches we get now, isn't it? With the, with the recorder and you can, you can like um, put pictures in and everything if it connects to your phone. Um, I mean... I don't have one, obviously. I'm not sure like, maybe, maybe I'm too old. So Malcolm demonstrates to Ben how it records sound when you speak to into it and says, if you take it away, Chris Nichols, he repeats it. And Bill sort of is embarrassed saying, oh, you can't give us all this. Bill's, Ben's like, yes, you can. So it's one of those where Ben can be all like, oh, he's smarmy, he's ex-boyfriend, but he brings us nice stuff. Oh, he's fine. Well, he can give us all his, all his stuff as long as he doesn't stay around too long. Yeah, you know, freeloader Ben is. So Bill says, you know, let's have some tea. And so Malcolm said, asks, you know, well, make sure, promise me, you won't let me bore you with all my stories. And it's like, Ben says, promise. So later on, oh, actually, ben before I... Exactly yeah. what I would love to do in that situation as well. If Sarcastic. I was there, yeah, I would be like horrible to him. Mm. I was not meant to like Malcolm. Oh no, not at all. Oh yeah, absolutely smarmy, and and that's clear from the beginning. Now this is how sad I am, David. This is one of my kind of weird random observations. You mean you get sadder? Yes, I get sad. I'm crying because of my observation I made. No, sad is in, aren't I? I have no life kind of sad. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, you get more sad than what you already are. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so in front of Malcolm and Ben, there are a pile of magazines. And on the top of it, you can see the from uh, upside down, a Radio Times magazine. So I could see enough of it to know that it will have been from some time end of 97, beginning of 98. And I noticed, I could tell that there is a man in a white chef uniform surrounded by a group of people. So I went through the archives online and found it was from February 14th to 20th, 1998. It's Ainsley Harriet surrounded by the cast of Red Dwarf as they were promoting their 10-year BBC Two night. Okay, that's a bit random. I was thinking it might have been um, Lenny Henry and Chef. I did think that originally. I did actually think that originally, but no, it's it's Ainsley Harriet from Ready Steady Cook, another nostalgic show from the past. It would have been quite funny if it was um, a two point four children magazine. Like, well, not a magazine, but if they were on the front of it, and you just... they were on the front. Yeah, but what's interesting? But, 
I've um, noticed before in Series 6 when Ben holds a, a Radio Times magazine, so I, I did the same thing. This was in the trouble with Harry. And I realised that they actually filmed, looking at the dates of when the Radio Times magazine came out and then the transmission of the episode, that was about three or four weeks. In this case, it's about three weeks or about just just, just about just about four weeks from transmission. So they were filming it quite close, whereas the first five series, I think, were filmed at least two months uh, or a couple of months into, uh, before in the summer. What you can see, actually, in this series, when they're outside, it looks like winter. So later on, Malcolm's in the middle of the conversation and he's just go. He's just kind of boasting and saying, "Suddenly, there's a massive splash, and I go out to the balcony, and there, in the swimming pool, is a fully clothed Kevin Costner. He looks up at me and says, Malky, I thought the Waterworld auditions weren't till next Tuesday.' Is that That's a your best impression yet? Thank you very much. Now, Waterworld. Have you ever seen that film? Film. It's a terrible film. Okay. It is absolutely appalling. I mean, Kevin Costner can either be very, very good and oh, his films are very good or they're really bad. They, they, there's never a middle ground with his films. Waterworld's a big flop, but it's kind of a cult thing now. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, I have only had to watch it once and it was a long time ago on a video. So you can see how long ago that was. Yeah. Um, it was pretty bad. It's a, it's a post apocalyptic film, I think. It was far too long. It yeah. was too long. It was boring as hell. Yeah. Oh. Well, it bought a world's by the, I think that was 1995. So it was still a relatively new movie. And then it was, I say, it was no, a notorious flop. And so, yeah, it, and it, I think it more or less sank Kevin Costner's career, if you don't mind the, uh, the pun there. And yeah. so they all laugh at his story while Ben is more, was being sarcastic. He's Ben's going, ha, 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 so they all want to see more photos. He shows them photos from his bedroom balcony, the Hollywood Hills, from the main window. Bill says, you know, Jenny says, you know, why can't we have a view like that? And so Ben tries to tries to be the better person, but just fails when he goes, if you stand on the chest in David's room, you can see the Hammersmith flyover. <laughs> really? Lovely. Wonderful. I can't think of any monument in, in London that, I'd love to see the view of. Maybe Big Ben. Yeah, Buckingham Palace, maybe. Yeah. Tower of London. Tower of London, yeah. See where everyone's heads got, got um, stuck on spikes. And so the sugar, and Bill, I love how Ben grabs the sugar cup and then pours the whole lot <laughs> into Malcolm's tea. And you notice they've got their best china out as well for Malcolm's visit. Hyacinth Bouquet would be very proud. And Bill's Malcolm says, "Oh, that's me done." Bill says, "Oh, don't worry about Ben. He gets he can get ratty when he hasn't been on the swings." <laughs> Malcolm says he'll leave, and then says, "No doubt Ben's got all sorts of plans for you tonight." And Bill says, "Oh yes, a mega bucket from Kentucky Fried Chicken, wasn't it?" Oh, mega bucket from Kentucky Fried Chicken sounds quite nice right now. And Ben's just like just the whole whole title though. <laughs> so just KFC. I know, yeah. It's like when you hear an X-Files him saying a Federal Bureau of Investigation. Just 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 say the acronym, just say Geek. Yes, sorry. Um, and then Ben's like, and a game of Kaplunk, if you please. I mean, what is a, a fun Saturday night? Mega bucket from a KFC, a 
and a game of kaplunk. Excellent. But you get the um, you get the kaplunk straws greasy. Oh yeah, that wouldn't be nice, would it? Yeah. So Malcolm leaves and Bill walks him to the car. Malcolm's in London until Friday, launching a new software, then up to Scotland to catch up on some golf for the weekend, then on to Paris. Malcolm asks Bill what she's doing, apart from work, doing the VAT, clearing the drain cover, trying to fish my arthritis bangle out of the waste disposal. <laughs> so sort of, you know, clearly got she's got arthritis now. Sort of suggests, sort of demonstrates that she's a bit older. And then Malcolm asks about lunch. Bill says sorry. And then just asks, so you've never married? And Malcolm says, you're a tough act to follow, Bill. You know, he doesn't directly answer the question, so he never says yes or no. No. That's an important point, because let's just say if he said no, he'd be more of an idiot than he is. But yeah, he doesn't doesn't actually say no. Back in the house, Ben mimics him. It's like, Kevin Costner lives next door. Arnold Schwarzenegger should have fled with Batman across the road. Donald Duck around the corner shop. Yeah, well, we've got famous people here in Shizik, you know. There's a woman down the road who's got a friend whose cousin's is Reg Barney's dentist, is Sam Butler in On the Buses, mm-hmm. which is ironic because Stephen Lewis was the driving instructor in Dirty Bowling, who was also in On the Buses. He was, and Old Dr. Beachin, and a few other things along the way. So at the warehouse, Rona and Bill are making jelly, I think it's jelly tarts that they're making. I have no idea, to be honest. Well, it looks I like that. Yeah, it's it's clearly they've got the um the cake, what they called when you put um cupcakes into little cups. What are they called paper the paper cups. Paper cups, yeah, the paper cups. And uh, but it looks like they've got jelly in them and and like little they put they sprinkle they put sprinkle on top of them. I don't know. So, Rona tries to prize out of Bill that she still has a soft spot for Malcolm. And Bill says, you know, it's just a soft spot. We're not talking nine and a half weeks. Well, not anymore anyway. Now, do you know the film Nine and a Half Weeks? I've heard of it. I've never seen it. It was mentioned in the first episode, Lead of the Pack, when Bill and Rona meet uh, the biker. And Rona says he reminds her of Mickey Rourke in Nine and a Half Weeks. The best way I can describe the film, from what I've heard, I've not seen it myself, is it was with Mickey Rock and Kim Basinger. It's like the 80s equivalent of Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh. Rona asks, is he still hitting all the right buttons then? Hasn't forgotten the old pin number. E- <laughs> and then it's Bill just... Cringe. Pardon? Very cringe, did you say? It makes me cringe, that bit. Yes. Yeah, it forgot- does make me cringe, going back to the beginning of the episode again. Yeah. The bit where, the bit where Bill and Malcolm start kissing... And it's sort of very sort of like, yeah. Why? It's a kiss. I don't know. I think it's just, I think it's the way Malcolm's kissing. Something to do with, so what on his face, I don't know. It makes me cringe anyway, that scene. Fair enough. I mean, it's quite a funny bit of innuendo there. It's like, hasn't forgotten the old pin number. (laughs) So Bill asks, he says, you know, if the phone rang now and it was him asking me out, I'd say no. The phone rings. Bill answers it. She speaks very flirty. Hello? What? Yes, it is. Well, it's a bit sudden, but all right, I will. Yes, all right then. Bye. Rona says, you didn't. And Bill says, I did. I just ordered 12 extra kilos of Cylon from the meat wholesale. (laughs) Just, you know, she's just playing up to everything. Phone rings again. Rona answers. The phone rings again. Rona answers. 
Yes, Bill's porter. Who's calling? It's him. So then Bill takes the phone and says, oh, hello, Malcolm. But that's tomorrow. Oh, I don't, I really don't think I can. I can't talk now. And she explains to Ronan that she's been asked to wait to Scotland for the weekend, separate rooms, just as friends. And Ronan's just very excited. But then she's funny. She's kind of excited for her, but then is more realistic, which says, oh, it would have been lovely, wouldn't it? Crackling fire, silver service meals, walks in the glen, someone to make your bed, those tiny little soaps that you steal every day. And Bill's just very, like, automatically says, you know, what do you mean would have been? And Rona's, you know, thinking, of course she wouldn't do it. And Bill says, well, why are you so certain of that? And Rona gives probably the most stinging remark ever, which is, well, you, you just you wouldn't. You're a mother. You're sensible. You know, they, they say people are like cars. I'm a secondhand G, keeps overheating, bit on the wild side. And Bill says, well, I'm a Ford Fiesta with one careful owner. That's actually quite an interesting kind of thing could describe people as cars. Never come across that before. Wonder who the Chevrolet Bel Air would be. Or Fab One. Or Fab One. Oh, interesting. So Bill says, um, well, I have a half mind to go. It's worse than ever at home. They're all incapable of doing anything for themselves. They're turning me into a tired, resentful, angry, hectoring old bat. So Rona sort of says they're just being a bit thoughtless and suggests she sits them down, explain how she feels, and tomorrow morning she can have a nice lie in and wake up to breakfast in bed. And Bill sort of smiles and thinks that's a lovely idea. And then we cut to the next scene. It's a very lovely sight of Bill just in bed, just snortling as she wakes up like... <laughs> and then she... You know what, this bit though... Go on. In between the scene with Rona what? and then the scene where she's waking up... Yeah. In a normal episode, you would see her having that discussion at the table. Yeah. Family meetings, and you don't see it. I can. I I thought that a bit, and I wondered. I was I was thinking the same, but then I thought, in one way, you know, there's that saying, "Don't show, don't tell," in writing. But I feel like we've already know what she's going to say. I think it's we more important. Yeah. We also know what she's going to say in a lot of the other episodes as well. When she's like, "Right, come on." Come and sit down. And they're like, oh, God, what now? I know, but then in other ones, it, it is to describe stuff that we don't know. Like in the lottery episode, we don't know that they said... We still said know what her feelings are going to be, especially when... She'll be against it, yeah. In the lottery, for instance, she obviously doesn't want... She's obviously against the lottery mm. as they're discussing it. And then all of a sudden it's, come and sit down. In mm. this bit, it should have been a family meeting for me. But it is yeah. what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting the way that we don't see it. And then she goes downstairs. Well, fact is she hasn't had breakfast in bed and she goes downstairs and it's not in the environment that she was expecting. David's lying on the sofa. The, din- the dining room table's full. Table in the kitchen has a basket of laundry on the top. It's a bit similar to what we saw in the beginning. Bill says, you know, you were going to give me breakfast in bed. And David's a bit half asleep, half awake going, oh, yeah. Well, tell you what, you go back to bed and I'll get you a burger. Where the hell's he going to get a burger from? Oh, my neck. Yeah, it's going to be cold by the time he gets to her. So Bill turns to Jenny, um, you know, said, you know, you've got to start on the ironing. Jenny says she'll do it later. Ben enters and passes Bill a satellite dish. And funnily enough, just just a a quick aside, um, one of our guests, Russell, 
as the one who went to three studio recordings in the last three seasons. This was the second one he went to. And he mentioned this particular scene when Bill, Bill and uh, Bill are, is holding the satellite dish and this scene was t- had quite a few takes and after one of them Bill Linda apparently turns to the audience and says oh this is quite heavy and it does it looks you know, it's quite a heavy kind of thing to you know big satellite dish like that just, hi Russell just thought a bit of a shout out there so <laughs> Ben says um typical you spend half an hour strapping yourself to a chimney only to find out you need a Phillips I know I know I said we were going to go and and go and do it but we ran out of hoover bags and when i went down to the high street this bloke showed me the new model jenny then takes off this bubble wrap and shows this like flat screen tv big as the room kind of late 90s flat screen tv is that right looks like the one Uh, in the millennium experience yeah which is another confusing bit because why did they get a new tv like a year later when they already just got one good point very good point Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it doesn't doesn't work now. Widescreen surround sound, 97 channels, and we've got it to, for a trial period until the end of April, and we don't have to pay it until then, subject to status. Oh, and I've got the Hoover bags. So <laughs> everything's just gone wrong. And, you know, I have to say, I do think, though, Paul Smith does know Bill's character quite well, and it is she's kind of at a breaking point here. And her breakdown sort of works for me, might not for you. Go ahead. It definitely doesn't. Okay, so... <clears throat> this is Bill Porter. Yeah. Who we have seen in, well, we've seen her over seven years now. She's obviously lived with the family for even longer than that. Mm. She has been through countless mental situations, some of which she's not helped, mm. including what landmines, cockroaches, getting cast adrift in an open boat, live pigs. What else? Uh, the FBI coming to her house. Yeah. All sorts of random, completely not mental things. And she gets annoyed over some dirty dishes and some dirty laundry. Don't think so. No. I think I think no. how I see it is she's just at a breaking point. She's just had a bit of a burnt out point, which everyone gets at some point. Even the strongest people get burnt out at some point. Not over some dirty laundry. Not Bill Porter. She's been through much worse. Much, yeah. much worse. She's put up with so much. And that is such a minor thing for her to blow off over. If you watch it maybe binge watch it all together and you don't spend seven years watching it and build it up yeah maybe it fits in a bit better but if you've watched it from the beginning in 1991 you get to 1998 it really it doesn't make any sense not to me anyway yeah i think i just don't think it's it doesn't fit I have two ways of looking at this whole episode in general. I mean, I'll kind of get to my my overall... To describe my overall feelings, I think I have to get to the end. I normally like to sort of drip feed everything when it's relevant to the episode, but I feel with this one, it's a bit more... I'm a bit all over the place how I think about it. So I think what, where I see it is, I can believe she would at times feel a bit fed up because that's what people feel. But I think I agree with what you say about it being seven years. We've sort of seen things like this previously this idea of, of fed up, being fed up. I think Belinda does the, does a good job with this scene, which I think works for me. It work, it work... Nothing wrong with the actual acting of it. Yeah, and as a kind of, in single way, as a kind of piece. Out of character for her. It's, yeah, it's... It's not out of the character for to get annoyed and frustrated by things. Yeah. But she's not the sort of person who would get frustrated by some dirty laundry and a table with some, I don't know, cornflakes spilt on top of it. Yeah. I mean... She plays it well in this bit when she just said, you know, just a minute. I can't believe you've done this. You know how I feel about these things, which, again, is something that 
she doesn't like satellite telly. She's not into the big corporal stuff. So that is one sort of element that they've got right about her character. Unless that's been edited at a later date, possibly. What do you mean edited? Sorry. Like maybe that it's been put in there, as in maybe they've been given some ideas about what she doesn't like. Not edited, but... Well, no, she says it quite early on, um, early on in the series that she doesn't like Sky. Maybe in this episode, they've been given an idea of what she doesn't like. Maybe they've been given a sort of... Oh, yeah, they know that, yeah. They watched, they've, or they've at least watched the show and they can write the show or have watched episodes to kind of get that idea a bit. Because if you're going to watch, if you are, I, I would imagine if you've, if you're going to be in a writing room to write a sitcom that's established or any series established, you'd have to know the characters. And the only way you know that is if you watch the show, whether for entertainment value or to learn. Unless they've been given a briefing about what each character likes and dislikes, because that would be one of her strong things that she dislikes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, she's asked, why didn't you consult me before you brought into the house? This is exactly the sort of thing I was trying to explain to you about last night. Don't you realise how it makes me feel? I would like to feel valued in this house. And Ben's like, well, you should have said, well, I did try to drop a few hints. And Ben says, well, you, you know, we're not very good at hints, you know, us. you really have to spell things out. Bill says, spell it out. Right. She then grabs the tablecloth and scoops up the cereal boxes and cutlery and says, maybe this will give you a clue as to how I'm feeling. She opens the front door and throws it out, slams it, and now I'm off. Runs upstairs, Ben asks where, wait for the weekend to see a friend. Outside the house, um, Ben takes a brush and scooper, and Rona appears and asks if everything's all right. Ben says, you know, well, Bill's a bit upset. She's going away for the weekend. So then Bill appears with a bag and asks Rona for a lift. And poor Ben, he is being a bit of an idiot, but when you zoom in on his face, he does look a bit like a sad puppy, doesn't he? Tiny bit. So in Rona's car, Bill explains she's meeting Malcolm at the airport. Rona asks what she's going to tell Ben. Bill doesn't care. Bill says, well, you know, just say I'm staying in an old school friend's. Lie to him. And Bill's like, well, unless you feel like telling him the truth. Rona says, no, I'll lie to him. It'll be kinder. Just notice that Bill's putting on mascara at this point. Rona asks which school friend she's staying with. She asks about, what about the one up in Yorkshire, the one with the funny leg? She has a husband who loves Jonathan Ross and her son's in a mental hospital. Gloria Connors? And Bill says, well, she hasn't got a funny leg. And Rose's like, made me laugh. Never seen <laughs> cellulite in the shape of Diana Ross before. <laughs> it's quite a funny line. Bill mentions well, it's it. the shape of Gloria Honeyford. Uh, exactly, exactly. Bill replies, you know, she's dead. And Rose's like, oh, typical. Where is she when we need her? Now, that's someone I'd like to learn more about. I mean, that's quite a tragic life, really. Anyways, Mary Binney, she lives in Hastings, yards of chins and a sick cat, been trying to visit her for 15 years. Tell him it's her. Rona's like, well, I hope you know what you're doing, Bill. Bill tells her to relax. Nothing's going to happen. They're just old friends. Finally, Rona drops Bill off and is greeted by Malcolm at the airport. Mm-hmm. So back at the house, Ben and David are working out the food and the shopping. Bill hasn't done the weekend shop. You know, Ben's like, well, she can't go away without doing the weekend shop. He's just, you know, completely hopeless. He hasn't quite caught on that, you know, he's caused all this. David then says Ben, you know, goes with her sometimes. You know, he's like, ah, oh, but I only just push the trolley and she bungs the stuff in. Then Ben starts to recite the journey. And this is, I do quite like this bit when he's miming pushing the trolley. We start off with the green vegetably bit, go to the warm bit, then there's a cold bit. Then there's a very smelly bit where everyone wears white coats and you have to take a ticket. That's where they met Christine, remember? We go to the checkout, 
trolley's full of stuff. I get a cream egg from the sweet rack. And then he... nice, the cream eggs. They were actually all right back then. Oh, have they changed their flavour and taste now? Yeah, they're disgusting now. Oh, really? Interesting. Mm-hmm. I've never... I, I, I only started eating them a few years ago myself. No. So I, 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 can't, I can't say that I can compare them. So Ben suggests asking Rona to do it, and Dave's like, no, surely we can do our own shopping. And Ben's like, yeah, yeah, we're big boys now. We can crack this one together. Stay on the kitchen, and we jump a bit of time. Rona's there, standing next to Ben, who sat down, and she's explaining to Ben how to microwave a ready-made lasagna. He's just completely hopeless. He's writing down a load of the information, gets confused by the temperatures on the packet and what the, what the, the oven says. So Ben then suggests ringing Bill, but Rona's excuse for Mary Binney is this, that she's ex-directory. So then Rona says she'll make his lunch. He finds Mary's phone number and you can hear the cutlery fall in the kitchen. Rona tells him not to ring her and she'll make all his meals. Turns on the telly and the golf appears. And, and then in a row of spectators, you see Bill and Malcolm watching. So that's... Um, that, I think, is the reason why it's not on BritBox, because they can't get the licensing for the golf bit. Is that right? Potentially. But, so it could, it could be, there could be a few things in there. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, you've got that. Mm. The the music at the beginning. Um, True, yes. Could be replaced, I suppose. But it sort of fits in with the script with the Lindisfarne reference, but you could still replace it with something different. There was another bit that I can't remember now. It came up when I was watching it. So it's not on that bit yet. But, you know, a bit later on when Rona's doing the TV. Oh, Oprah. Oprah. And then you've got what sounds like David Attenborough. Mm, Yeah. I reckon if that is actually a clip from actual Oprah Winfrey itself, that would be an absolute fortune. Yeah, that is. That would be, wouldn't it? but they could replace that technically. Well, yeah, BritBox has said, so any, for anyone who's listening now, this episode's not on BritBox and it's not going to be. Um, they've said that whatever is a problem with copyright, if they take it out, it's a problem. It will disrupt the flow of the plot completely. Yeah, they've said it'll it'd need too many edits. It would be very heavily edited. Mm. So it can't be done. They did say that if there was enough interest in it, that it could be reviewed again. So that's me thinking there that if they see it as financially viable to do it, they would. Yeah. yeah. But are they really going to do that for one episode? I don't know. That's the thing. I mean, it's a, I mean, it's doing well on BritBox anyway, so who knows? We'll see what yeah. happens. So um, Rona switches the telly off, tells Ben, you know, you can't watch the golf. It's bad for your side. Apparently, there's done a study. All that watching, that little ball flying through the air can really put a strain on the retina. <laughs> so Ben puts the telly back on and then we see a clearer shot of Bill and Malcolm David and Jenny run downstairs and see they question as she's told them Bill was going to Hastings Rona says there's nothing in there they're old friends in separate rooms it's all completely innocent so in the night time Ben hasn't moved his position from the TV and he keeps playing the recording from the watch Go ahead, Chris. Hello, sucker. Guess what I'm doing tonight? Hello, sucker. Guess what I'm doing tonight? Hello, sucker. Guess what I'm doing tonight? Hello, sucker. Hello, sucker. Hello, sucker. Hello, sucker. Guess what I'm doing tonight? Rona puts the light on and gives Ben a tray of dinner. She says, you know, she knows lots of girls who've been away with guys just as friends and thought nothing of it. 
well, not, not exactly loads, but at least one. Well, it wasn't exactly for the whole weekend, but it was dinner and nothing happened. Well, not that night anyway, but you can trust Bill. Let her have a break for once. I do like that with Rona, she's not just blaming Ben because she's not just, you know, she can't. I think she, the way she says earlier to Bill, you know, they're all just being a bit thoughtless. She's not, she is Bill's best friend, but she's not. She's also, as I've always said before, the surrogate member. She knows the family. She knows what they're like. They're just being a bit selfish and they're not really that bad people. No, they're not, they're not bad people. They're just sort of a bit blind to what they do sometimes. But that includes Bill as well. Yeah, they're, 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 and that's uh, what most people like. What'd you say, sorry? i say even Rona. Oh, yeah. All, all, all the characters are like that. They just go along in their own little world. Yeah, absolutely. So Rona gives him dinner and says he's got loads of channels to watch. And as you mentioned, there's a bit where this announcer says, Today on Oprah, six wives who cheated on their husbands. Now, I would have loved if they got back Roxanne from Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe. You know, the woman who interviewed all the women whose husbands had middle life crisis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then there's a David Attenborough. The vicious alpha male prepares to mate with his chosen. So, of course, again, everything that's on TV is giving Ben more anxiety over the situation. So Jenny and David come downstairs and they've worked out where Bill is. This is like a bit of social media detective work, what they've done using the internet at this point. So how you get hotel floor plans, I don't know, and work out exactly what people have had for dinner. You can only do that if you've seen them on Facebook and they've done all the um, (laughs) check-ins and doing and saying, oh, we're doing this now, we're doing that now. So they're at a place called the Drummond Druckett Castle Hotel. They know their every movement since checking in. They're in separate rooms. She's in 214, he's in 457. However, according to the building plans, which they got from the hotel's website. 214 is um, in one location and 457 is another and can be reached by going down the fire escape, through the kitchen, through the kitchen. You know, it's like all this roundabout way of getting there. Room 45 is one of the three bridal suites. So far that day, they've watched the golf, gone to the swimming pool, had champagne cocktails in the library. That's an interesting thing to do in the library. And they're currently having dinner. And I love how Ben's like, shut up. <laughs> So at the restaurant, Bill and Malcolm are having a dinner. You know, she's like, oh, she can, says she can get used to it. Malcolm says when he arrived in the US, he found himself out on the street in a week. And then we have a throwback to what um, he mentioned at the opening scene, the flashback. Bill says, you know, I thought you could you, you, you could go and stay at your brother, um, with your brother. And then Malcolm says it was earth. He didn't tell me it was in an earthquake zone, his flat. We came down to find his room halfway down the cliff and in the Pacific. He says he was in a cheap motel thinking about everything he left behind and everyone. Bill says she missed him as well. And he says she never wrote. She said it was the best thing. Bill thinks her room's nice and and quiet change from home. She decides to go up to bed. Malcolm says, you know, my room is 457. She's like, I know, pretty obvious. I mean, it was pretty obvious that she was, that's what he was wanting. That's why he invited yeah. her up for the weekend. That's pretty obvious. I, th- I think it's um, odd how she's actually gone mm. up there. Yeah. But we'll go into that later. Yeah. See, so Ben is in bed having nightmares. In the hotel room, um, we see Bill appear as in, in lingerie. Malcolm's in bed and says, I don't want to wait another 20 years. 20 years. 20 years. <laughs> Ben wakes up in a cold sweat. Ben calls the hotel, asks for 214. There's no answer from the room. Ben calls the hotel, asks for 24, 
214, no answer from the room. Grabs his coat in the living room and the children appear. He asks where he's going. He says, oh, I just need to pop out and get something. Jenny says, well, where are you going? Scotland. <laughs> he's driving there. Ben says, you know, keep calm, keep calm, keep calm. A card speeds past. Up your sunshine. Next morning, Bill's ordering breakfast alone. She asks for coffee and then says to herself, after that night, I need to wake up a bit. It's obviously a bit of tension. You wonder, oh my God, what's happened? On the road there, Ben comes across a smart-looking car with a lady in quite a smart suit um, called Harriet, who's broken down. He stops and asks, and she says, you know, I'm sorry, I've had a blowout. Ben asks if he's on the road to the hotel. She goes, yes, are you on the way there? Oh, thank God. Ben goes, don't mention it. Bye. And he just <laughs> drives away. And he's talking to himself, preparing for that confrontation saying, come on, we're all adults here. So that uh, character is called Harriet and the actress is called Margot Steinberg. Um, and she is an American actress, but she's lived here for over 20 years. She studied in Boston and she's lived here since the nineties and has done work in film, TV and theater on both sides of the Atlantic. Very, very experienced actress. Outside the hotel, Bill and Malcolm walking together. Bill says she woke up, but she sat like a log. He rang her room three times and she said that she got some um, earplugs. That's why she didn't hear. She says all she could hear outside was the tweaking of the deer. <laughs> she explains that she, you know, she likes to keep the window open and so she couldn't hear anything, including the phone, which, is, which I know about because you just told me. She's trying to make excuses and stuff. Malcolm says, well, you know, there's always tonight, so it's a date. And then Bill just has to kind of confess and says, you know, I'd, I'd be a liar if I'd admit I still thought a lot of you. And then we see in the background, the car appears. And then as Bill says, I love Ben. Ben walks out and, you know, he's looking at them. He's, as he's walking towards them, he's sort of speaking to himself. And Bill goes into this little monologue where she goes, I know you wouldn't think it to look at him, but um, he's very sensitive, kind, thoughtful, and above all, gentle. And then Ben says, Hi. Turns to Malcolm and says, Malcolm. And after a few seconds, he headbutts Malcolm and the studio audience cheer. Yeah, like you are now, Fording. Ben yes. tells Bill to get his, her things and she's coming he's back with him. Bill's like, I will not. You can't arrive and knock a completely innocent man. Then Harriet, the lady we just saw with Ben, she appears and then knees Malcolm in the groin and punches him. And then Malcolm introduces him Induces Harriet as his wife, which, as you your said earlier, wife. your wife, which, as you said earlier, he never said that he didn't have a wife. He didn't. To be fair to him, he goes, Thought you were in Paris, darling. <laughs> and then Bill grabs a snow, a snow shovel and then whacks Malcolm and he falls into the giant fountain and gets wet. And Bill's like, Take me home. And this was at a time when I think studio audiences were cheering more in British sitcoms, sort of the late 90s, especially for characters that they were more established and that they knew a bit better. Well, he was a smarmy git, so we got his confidence, and I think that was part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And that Bill and Ben are back together now. So then Bill tells Ben to take her home. In the car, she admits she was getting fed up with the fancy food and people doing everything for her. And Ben says, well, that's good, because all we've got at home is a boiler in the bag, Haddock and no one's done the washing up since you left and then as he drives off 
He says, too late. You can't get out now. <laughs> and Bill says, help. And that ends the episode. Okay. I think now's the time to really get in. You know, that's the episode. But I think this is probably the one episode where we've both got quite a lot to say. That's a sort of overall summary of what we think. So, David, you go first. Well, it's an episode I have watched a lot over the years. Mm. I mean, a hell of a lot. I don't choose to watch it very often, as in, mm. like, choice. I used to play it a lot on VHS, so I just watched the series in order, and it'd just be there. Mm. Um, I think it is the we- weakest episode of the whole series, the whole of 2.4 Children, not just Series 7. It's got a completely different tone to the rest of them. It doesn't feel like a 2.4 Children episode. It could be an episode of any sitcom. The character of Malcolm is not in any way likable, which I don't think you're meant to like him. You're meant to think he's a smarmy, horrible swine. And he does come across well like that. Bill acts completely out of character for what Bill Porter would actually do. She would never run away to Scotland with another man. Maybe in the earlier series when he saw with the angel, but that was more like a fantasy sort of thing. This is more like a real life thing. Doesn't make sense to me. I think the scene I mentioned earlier, you know, about Bill when she blows up at the family, I do like the when she just get annoyed. Because, like, we saw it in Perfect Day, where she just got annoyed. And I think there's a, there's a real sense of tension in these latest episodes that I've noticed in the first three of Series 7, that even with football episode, she gets really annoyed with Ben when he makes that bet, so they <laughs> dress up as the Spice Girls. And I think there's just a feeling that she's just getting really agitated. And I do like the way Belinda especially plays that in that scene especially for me it works well fine there's nothing wrong with any of the any of the actors in the show um yeah even mark even the what's his name danny webb that's the one he's not he's not a terrible actor obviously i just don't like the character yeah there's nothing wrong with the acting the script is okay but the storyline and the plot the thing is okay so i'm in agreement with you about that it could be any sick any episode of any sitcom now as a sitcom episode it's fine. And the thing is, as a piece of writing, it's not dreadful. It has a story. It, it kind of has some good lines and jokes. But going back to your point earlier, what you said about Bill and you know, how you watched it over seven years and, and, and comparing to binge watching it. If there's one thing that this, I think whether you watch 2.4 Children as a binge watch on BritBox or you watch it every day on Gold or over however, however long you watch it, this does feel the most, tonally the most out of place episode because... It's a misfit. It is. I wrote note before to myself. Yeah. Misfit of an episode. Tone doesn't fit. Yeah. And that's the thing. It just doesn't fit in. Yeah. And the problem with it is, if you know, we are constantly banging on to try and not just get two point four children out there for people to watch again, but to try and change the reputation that for some reason it's got itself stuck in this kind of reputation of this being this banal family sitcom that just hasn't really shifted the problem is if you found any critic who say that it's banal never watched it and they watched this episode they would be flying because they'd be right because just on this episode alone there's there's it's it's too bland now it works fine as a kind of you know as i say in the script you know working out why bills with ben ben can be childish but you, say you have to have someone like malcolm to be the worst so that goes you know, Bill going back to bed. Now, there are episodes of 2.4 Children where it's a lot more... 
mean, they're all character driven, even when it gets weird because the characters are a bit surreal. But the episodes where it's a bit more, should I say, talky, in inverted commas, are family plot, and we'd like to know a little bit about you for our files, where it's a little bit more of them just sort of the conversations going on in the in one room generally, and and it's just sort of developing what's got the story. But there's always an element of two point four surprise. So in family plot, it's the roof nearly coming down, or the the dog on the fish hook. In we'd like to know a bit about you for our files. There's the graduate bit and the um, them getting stuck at the in the box. In this episode, it's only really there's that bit with the vision Ben's vision of them together. But that that could be any sitcom, really. Mm-hmm. I think overall. It mm. has got some has got some good bits. Mm. Uh, some funny parts of it. But yeah. it just doesn't it just doesn't sit right with me. And and the thing is, there are writers who have very distinctive voices, Andrew being one of them. And when you've gotten used to one voice, very difficult for writers to imitate voices without having and and, and losing that kind of style that's so in, innate in in one person. Now a good example of this is John Sullivan. He had four great comedies in the 80s. You had um, Citizen, Kane, Citizen Kane, Citizen Khan, Citizen Smith. Then you had Only Fools and Horses, Just Good Friends, and Dear John. Now, they're very different comedies, very different premises, very different, um, especially with characters and social classes and everything. But when you watch them, you can tell it's him writing. There's just a style, like with Andrew's writing, when you watch Health and Officiant Dad and 2.4, you can tell it's the same writer. Fast forward to the mid 2000s, you have and um, John Sullivan's Fools and Horses spin-off, The Green Green Grass, which incorporated a lot of writers, new writers. He had a team of writers from I think the second series onwards. And the problem was, you could tell it wasn't him. His vo- his, his his Sullivan voice was gone, and the storylines that a lot of these writers bring are just a bit generic. Now I know that my family that that was all team of writers. They never I don't even think they had a showrunner. They had one for the beginning and then it just kind of went all over the place. Then, but, same thing as well. It's Good Night Sweetheart, Birds of Feather and Red Dwarf all had um, different writers. So I'd say Good Night Sweetheart was more successful than Birds of Feather. I think Birds of Feather is a bit more inconsistent with their team of writers, if I'm honest. That's just my personal opinion. My family did an episode where Susan's, the mum, Zoe Wanamaker's character's ex-boyfriend came back. It's kind of a generic idea in family sitcoms that the parents old flame will come back and they're always going to be a bit of an idiot. They're not going to leave. You compare Malcolm X to The Sweet Hereafter. Mm. The Sweet Hereafter is probably one of the best episodes of it. Exactly. So it shows it can work. It can work. And I've not, I've not watched the episodes we have in a long time because it was, it wasn't on gold for a while. Thank God it's on BritBox. Can you imagine if that wasn't on BritBox as well? The three. I get more messages than I already do about when Saturday comes. Which oh. to at some point yeah but the thing is it's an episode that i remember from from a very young age a very young age and it's just the fact is it's like greed the lottery episode the drool bar the chocolate bar episode everyone has a way of describing it because it's that good so it just goes to it can work and then even italian job which is by paul smith is better than this it feels more like 2.4 children but it, I it yeah quite like the italian job there's bits of it that i don't but I don't, it's not one of my favourite episodes, but I do like it, especially where Ben starts singing Just One Cornetto. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. Every time I watch. But I think for me, going to Sweet Hereafter and then going to When Did You Last See Your Father, a bit like when I say about Green Green Grass, you go from Green Green Grass to Rock and Chips, 
the prequel to Only Fools and Horses, which that was more of a comedy drama, but it was John Sullivan's voice again. And then going back to a point I said, that this has been kind of done before the, some of the themes in this episode as well. This idea of Bill's dissatisfaction or frustration with her life. Now, I know a lot of people, and I know you yourself, weren't keen on the biker storyline, but at least it was a more 2.4-esque way of exploring that kind of story, whereas this just feels... More of a fantasy and more of, a un, a more of an unrealistic... What's the word? Un, un, unrealistic, unattainable yeah. sort of It's a bit mystical. It felt yeah. a bit weird and a bit off balance, which is what 2.4 is. And as you say, you go through seven years of all these weird things happening. Getting sold this, at auction in the wardrobe. Yeah. It's going from series six to this episode. It just feels totally, it just, it just goes off. I don't know. It just, it does feel a little bit, well, it is it off feels, balance. It no, it is. So, it. so I think the question I have now is though, okay then. So, Realistically, then, mm-hmm. what would you give this episode a rating out of five? Well, based on the, just based on it, or, or I don't know, the writing, the acting, and taking away my personal thoughts on it, 2.8. 2.8, okay. Maybe I should have said 2.4. 2.4. It's not uh, quite a three. It's definitely yeah. not a three. It's, it's, it's too far gone. Yeah. For me, a three, a three sort of rating for an episode would be... The Trouble with Harry, which is my mm. second least favourite episode of 2.4 Children. Mm. Don't hate it, but I don't love it. It's okay. Yeah. I'm going to give it a three. I, I've i changed it. I have, as a sitcom episode, I say it's fine. But as a 2.4 episode, I just it, it just feels completely... It's weak. It doesn't work for me. There are some good, there are some good parts yeah, of it. I can't say it's terrible. Don't but, the whole thing. But let's put it like this. If this is the lowest ebb of the show... You know, there's not many. Uh, there, there are sitcoms, good sitcoms that have bad episodes. If they and with, which are irredeemable. Some episodes of some sitcoms are completely irredeemable. Whereas this yeah, has got good moods. Why did you even bother making this? Episode? Loads of my family episodes. It's not if, if the worst of if the best of, if the worst of two point four children is better than some of the okay my families. That says a lot about our sitcom. But yeah, I'm gonna give it a three. It's probably yeah, I'm probably my least favorite episode of overall 2.4 children when it's sandwiched between when saturday comes and the sweet hereafter it definitely doesn't feel the same well thank you david and i know this is probably a more ranty episode of, of don't slam your podcast but you know we do want to try and find a balance when talking about these episodes about it than i thought i would be actually yeah i thought you were going to come in all guns and blazing to be quite honest but i think i, I I don't want to offend people. Well, we're here, you well, know, we're here to talk about where things work and where we think things don't quite work. As I say, next week we've got the Sweet Hereafter, which is a fan favourite. A lot of people looking forward to hearing that one. Mm-hmm. And then, as I say, Paul Smith did do another episode, The Italian Job, which is more 2.4 than this one. But thank you for coming on, David. It's always a joy to have you on to talk no about the show. Tell people where, what, what, what you're working on with 2.4 fandom. I'm not really working on anything at the minute. Yeah, but you've changed oh. the group name on Facebook. No, I've changed the um I've changed well since the group name, yeah, not the page name. So the group name was Portal World. So <laughs> it was a was it a reference to Ben? Ben's little theme park idea. Was it greed that one? Yeah, that was why he went he'd used the yeah. lottery money on. So people people used to ask a while back why the page name and the group name were the same thing because they're sort of different. Because they, mm. they do 
sort of exist differently. Yeah. Um, so some people were like, oh, I'll just change it to 2.4 fans group. So we did. And then I was like, Portal World. When I was watching Greed, I was like, that's a good name. I was thinking of maybe changing it to the um, for the page name at one point, but yeah. probably won't be for a little while because I still needed to get it out on DVD. Very true. Very true. Well, again, thank you for coming on. And thank you to everyone for listening. As I say, next week we are going to be discussing The Sweet Hereafter and I've got a brand new guest who is a fellow podcaster whose whose podcast I've been on. His name's Joe Ford and I've been on his Doctor Who podcast, A Hamster with a Blunt Pen Knife. And we'll be discussing the famous Drool Bar chocolate episode. Again, thank you to everyone listening and we'll speak to you next week. Take care.